Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came home. And here he is, Every ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jerry Springer. Thank you. Jerry. Thank you. Oh, hey, thank hey. Oh, man. Thank you. Happy Actually, New Year. Well, Happy New Year to all of you. Absolutely. And uh, we, we should just say that we're not at the uh, folk school uh, music parlor in um, Ludlow, Kentucky. So that that was wrong. But uh, because of what's going on right now, we're in an undisclosed location. <laughs> but, uh, in, a, in an abundance of caution where we can't tell you exactly where we are. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Hey, by the way, and uh, I, I always say this because people will listen to these through our uh, our archives. So this is being recorded on January 6th, Wednesday night. We usually do them on Tuesday night, but we decided to hold until Wednesday night because of what went on last night. So they were, we're going to change things up a little bit in the opening of this show. Usually we open with a lot of goofing around, light stuff, and making stupid jokes and then Megan tells Jerry and me to shut up and to do something that's significant <laughs> and we talk about something normal. But tonight, mm. we're actually going to start with Jerry's thought of the week. By the way, we have uh, we have John Clay coming up a little bit later on for some music. And John from Pikeville, Kentucky, we love John. He's been with us before as one of the side people with uh, Jeremy Short, for example. And uh, we're going to talk to John in a few minutes. But two, two, just a backdrop before, Jerry, I ask you to give us your thought sure. of the week. I'm, I know I'm really looking forward to it because two huge events of history. I don't think I'm understating it, overstating it. One, the historic election last night in deep red Georgia after uh, Biden and Harris won Georgia back in November, early November. Last night, there were runoff elections between Democrat John Ossoff and Republican David Perdue and Republican Kelly Loeffler, that Perdue and Loeffler were incumbents, and Reverend Raphael uh, Warnock. And who would have thought, but the two Democrats won, the significance of that is, and I'm telling a lot of listeners things they know, but somebody might not know this, that gives Democrats 50 senators as the new Senate opens. So it's a 50-50 split. And then the way our constitution is set up, Kamala Harris as the vice president will be the tiebreaker. So that was a huge historic. And by, by the way, as today, January 6th progressed, uh, it turns out that John Ossoff won by a margin big enough that there's no uh, re recount required. So they both won. And that was big. And that's enough to do a podcast right there. And then today, because a handful of Republicans want to contest the certification by Congress of the Electoral College votes for the president, they, in the middle of their thing they're doing, uh, referencing some 18-something president precedent to challenge all of that, uh, Donald Trump held a rally with thousands of people who came in from across the country that he beckoned here. And then he told them, in effect, I watched it, march on the Capitol, 
they did. And it turned into the, and I'm 77 years old and in my history, and I've been a political nerd my entire life. I watched what I have never seen before. An unguarded U.S. Capitol. I think that's important. Unguarded. Yeah. People stormed it. And the rest will be history, as they say. The last uh, time, the last time, the only time in American history that the Capitol was ever stormed and ever broken into was in the in 1814, the British in the War of 1812 got into Washington and broke into the Capitol, stormed the Capitol, set it on fire, et cetera. So that that is the only other time in history. And what, 150 years later, 90 years later, here we are. Yeah. With that as a backdrop, 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 Jerry, what are your thoughts? Well, the only news in what we're observing today, which, as you said, is Wednesday, January 6th, this storming of the Capitol is the only good news about that is what is now clearly an attempted coup, an effort to forcibly overthrow a duly elected government, is that the coup will ultimately not be successful. That's the good news. And yet, let there be no doubt that this domestic terror has been incited and in part orchestrated by Donald J. Trump himself and his Republican cohorts. And for this treasonous act, the parties involved must now pay, all of them. I'll have more about that in a moment. Let's face it, this has to be Trump's worst week as president. First, the smoking gun, that is the released tape of him threatening government officials in Georgia to commit a criminal act to overthrow the election results in Georgia, a crime for which he may now face prosecution himself. Then the Democrats gaining control of the Senate last night by winning both Georgia Senate races and in the process ousting Mitch McConnell from his control of what will be Biden's agenda. And then finally, having the Electoral College victory of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris officially accepted and declared as it will be later tonight. What a glorious week. What a victory for America. Donald Trump, at first viewed as a curiosity, then a narcissistic bully, then a threat, then an incompetent, and now finally the judgment he fears most. He will forever be remembered as a loser. He's done. His power is stripped. The only card for him left to play is the further destruction of the Republican Party as a respected institution. Ironically, he's done to the Republicans what the Democrats may not have been able to do by themselves. That is to energize the younger generation, as well as minorities, to register, to campaign, to donate, to vote. Indeed, he's created a generation of Americans that reject the racism that Trump and his cohorts have given voice to. And we see that in Georgia and in Arizona, and we'll see that soon in Texas and North Carolina as well. Trump is a loser, but that is not to say he hasn't caused damage. 
the hundreds of thousands lost to the coronavirus by his staggering incompetence, those people tragically aren't coming back. Not to mention the devastation his incompetence has brought to our economy. But perhaps the most significant news this week, though admittedly at first blush, it seemed little more than a pathetic sore loser political stunt, the most significant news is what Trump and a core group of Republicans are doing by challenging the overwhelming result of the November election, a challenge struck down by all the courts, including the Supreme Court, by virtually every institution in our government and society, even some conservative media, a challenge based on no, repeat, no evidence of fraud, a challenge which has absolutely no chance of success but is rather a circus that has no conceivable purpose other than riling up a fanatical deranged uh, base that is determined to overwhelm the will of the American people, not to mention democracy itself. And this, this is Trump and the Republican party's greatest sin. The most treasonous immoral attack on our nation and its values resulting in potentially the most long-lasting damage to America. And our endless proclamation to the world that democracy is the key to our exceptionalism, that the people rule, that only with our consent by our votes do our leaders govern. Why do I say that this Trump, Trumpian madness can be long-term? Well, you see, if a major political party can now question the legitimacy of an overwhelmingly decisive election without any proof of fraud, what's going to happen in the next election? One that may very well be closer or perhaps very close. The losing side now has a clear precedent to ignore the results, claim fraud and take to the streets basically undercutting all confidence in the integrity of our democracy, which will announce to the world that this shining light on the hill, this professed last best hope of mankind is nothing more than a con job, as much as is Trump a con job. And if elections no longer mean anything, that there will no longer be a peaceful transfer of power, then where do we go from here? What Trump and the Republicans are doing is truly unconscionable. These people must be held responsible for what they've done and what they're doing. I know I've gone back and forth on this, but I now believe that their attack on our democracy, their unrestrained corruption cannot simply be given a pass as though, oh, well, that's just politics, let's move on. No, if this criminal behavior goes unchallenged, if these politicians are not held to account, then the precedent has been set. You no longer have to abide by the election results and the losing side never will. The constitution is then dead. Democracy is then dead. America is then dead. Let the legacy of the Biden presidency be that corruption will not be ignored we will clean house. A new attorney general who will now be confirmed with McConnell no longer in charge, along with state prosecutors 
and without presidential interference, they must now be vigilant in their pursuit of justice in preserving and protecting the Constitution of the United States. Let the prosecutions begin. Let the administration be the vaccine that wipes out corruption. Excellent, Jerry. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. So um, I even heard, you know, today, you know, today, again, being the Wednesday that all this is going on, that some congressmen are starting to talk of impeachment at this late date. And, you know, the first response to that is say, hey, wait a second. It's only two weeks left. You know, what's the point? Well, the one point could be that the Constitution says that the penalty for uh, being impeached, if you're found guilty by the Senate, the penalty then is removal from office. But it also says you, if you are removed, for, if you are impeached and removed from office, you may not ever again run for federal office. Yeah. So there would be a reason to pursue it just to make sure Trump is uh, never again gets to run for office. Though I think if he ever ran again, he'd get, I mean, if he didn't win this time when he had all the people going for him and he had the power of the presidency, I can't ever imagine America going back there again. And four years from now, it's a new world. He's old. I mean, just he's done. I think he's done. So even though there's a reason perhaps to go ahead with impeachment, I think the public would probably turn against that. And the Republicans could easily get out of it by simply saying, hey, we're done. You know, they'll want to move on. So I don't think he's going to get removed from office, even if they did impeach him now. But I do think he should be prosecuted. I think yep. he should be prosecuted. Uh, and there and it was is interesting. Uh, Megan pointed out something as we were all kind of following this through the day. And Jerry, you and I talked over the phone and uh, Megan and uh, uses Facebook. I do, too. We're, uh, we're Facebook friends. And Megan, you made a point that uh, why, why don't you explain it? There's a picture. It's going to become an iconic picture of a protester, yeah. some protester sitting in the. Pelosi's chair, or was it the yeah. Senate? I, I, no, it was. It was the yeah, Senate. Oh, yeah, the Senate. No, there was where, a Pelosi chair one as well. It was where this what, is the yes. this is the guy who was um go. He was the shirtless guy with the like the hat on the uh, antler hat yep. on, sitting in the the Senate. And it's not me. I actually reposted from a tweet from Noah uh, Noah Kane, okay. but the uh, the message was to make it here without dying is the epitome of white privilege. And we're talking about this kind of stuff and just what we've gone through in this last year and seeing what happened today. It, it, the whole thing was just so disgusting and coming off of last night that was so uplifting and woke up this morning and we were so excited and then to have this unfold. Well, if you, if you uh, and, and I uh, heard of someone else saying, uh, uh, this is not something I originated, but someone say, close your eyes and picture these people flowing into the Capitol and if they were Black mm-hmm. Lives Matter people, and if they were particularly Black people, they would mm-hmm. never have gotten into those chambers. They would never have gotten into those doors. The hypocrisy is stunning here. Yeah. Stunning. 
There's a couple of pictures out there too from um, when there were Black Lives Matter protests out by the Capitol. Yeah. There were like 15 That's lines right. of security in front of the Capitol. Where were those folks today? Trump had been putting this thing out there for the last four weeks, rallying people, inciting this nonsense. It was going to happen and there was nothing done. Absolutely nothing. And we put all of our elected officials in jeopardy. It's, it's, it, I'm so disgusted by today. I can't even tell yeah. you. And it's almost as if, uh, and I don't know this happened, but that it's almost as if Trump said, because after all, he's the head of the federal government and the Capitol police are part of the federal government. Uh, Nancy Pelosi does not direct the actions of the Capitol police. And it's almost as if mm-hmm. Donald Trump said to them in advance, hey, let's have a real soft presence today all around all the government buildings. And by the way, remember, he's the guy that gave speeches, and this relates to Portland, that if you touch a federal building, he told protesters Mm -hmm. in tweets, we will come down on you with the force of the federal government. And And I watched the video that he put out late today and he basically said, I love you guys. Yeah. I, yeah. Can, I feel he your pain. He said you ought it. to go home. But he didn't say any. And, the, and by the way, a woman has died in this. Yeah. That blood, yeah. Megan, on your point, that blood is on his hands because, yeah. the, mm-hmm. every, uh, you know, I, I'll talk the way Donald Trump talks. Well, everybody's saying that he incited it. That's kind of how he talked. Everybody knows that. Yeah, everybody's saying it. Mm-hmm. So I'll say that Trump. Everybody knows you incited this. Yep. This is on you. Yep. Yep. I, I don't think there's there's any way to avoid responsibility here. And I I think uh, we'll by the time people hear this, we'll know. But I got a feeling. I'd like to think some of the Republicans that were protesting the Biden election, you know, that weren't going to vote tonight to accept the. Yeah. Uh, the electoral college votes that some of them were affected by what happened today, the storming of the Capitol, that they may decide we don't need to incite any further. Agree. You I know, agree so I'd you. like to think that they have that much of a I conscience, so. but I would love, and maybe it's the uh, Lincoln project, but some organization that can get tons of money. I want every single Congressman and Senator that backed this protest, that weren't going to accept from Cruz on down, that weren't going to accept the votes of this last election. All of these politicians, everyone, they should be singled out in their districts, where they're from, for a massive campaign against them when they run for re-election. I mean, this ought to be an independent American organization doesn't matter what party you're from. If you would, if you were willing to overturn the will of the people, then by God, you don't deserve to be in the United States government. You swore to uphold the Constitution of the United States to execute the laws. And if you don't do that, you can't be in office. We, we should make sure that. I have a question for you, Jerry. Yeah. I, have a, I was watching CNN, Van Jones, who I absolutely adore, said today, we have two ways to look at this. Is this the beginning or is this the end of this nonsense? And it's terrifying to think that this might be the yeah. beginning Good question. of something more. So, I, Yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Jerry? Well, like, is this something that's... I think it's the beginning, 
but I don't think it's a hell of a lot of people. See, okay. I, yeah. I think okay. I think Trump is at his going into the November election. He was at the highest point he was ever going to get to be. He had his fans. He looked like, you know, a lot of people thought, he, you know, he had a real chance of winning again. But because that was his brand. I'm a winner. I'm Trump. I don't have to obey the rules. I can, and, and there were people that kind of liked that. You know, it's like you go to the movies and you root for the bad guy sometimes. You know, the anti-hero. <laughs> and that's how they these people viewed him. But now he's pathetic. When you listen yeah. to that tape of him trying to get the uh, the Secretary of State in Georgia, oh, come on, you got to find me so many votes. I mean, what a wimp. He's yeah. a... He's I'm honestly, he's just a pathetic. Yeah, I agree. Deranged loser. And, and what you know what happens? And we're already starting to see it. The day he's out of power, he doesn't have a pr- office. Republicans are going to start thinking about their own presidential prospects, their own. Do they want to be tarred with this? He can't threaten them anymore. Yeah, he'll put some money into being primaried, et cetera. Uh, people will move away from him. Two years from now, there are going to be a whole month, bunch of other people that are thinking of running for president. You know, because the one thing I got to say, <coughs> which will be a problem for the Democrats, is I think much of the country is going to view this as Biden's second term. In other words, he's not going to run for re-election. Yeah. So that weakens him. Everything that the Democrats do, they have to do in those first two years. Yeah. Because after 2022, yeah. everyone's going to be running for the nomination. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I think yeah. Kamala Harris, and I'm announcing for her right now, I mean, <laughs> I, I want her to be it. But there'll be competition there. And in the Republican Party, it's going to be crazy. They're all going to be running. Mm-hmm. Cruz wants it. This holy guy wants it. Uh, Pence will want it. They're not going to stick uh, Nikki Haley. Trump. Nikki, Nikki Haley. Haley. They're not going to yeah. stick around and wait for Trump, who's this old guy who lost last time. And they're going to say to him, if Joe Biden beat you by seven million votes yeah. and you couldn't even carry Georgia. Or I, Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> or Arizona. Yeah. yeah. Hey, let me let me ask Trump you something. That, yeah, those are those are that's very insightful. Uh, I don't want to do disrespect. I think. Uh, the the two new senators deserve respect and mm-hmm. and it's more than just respect i'm excited to uh you know that we talk a little bit yeah about john Ossoff and uh reverend uh uh warnock because i think what they did is so significant so significant and wasn't it and i gotta tell you guys let me give you my honest reaction all that crap played out today. And Megan, I'm with you. It was freaking disgusting. It wasn't just bad or good TV as an American. And I agree with you, Megan. It disgusted me. But I got to tell you, running on a parallel track, and I'm just hanging out at home with my wife, and we're, we're you know, having these great conversations day after day. We've really been great company in quarantine. Um, I, very excited. It doesn't surprise me. But we were ecstatic about winning yeah. these two Senate seats. And later today, oh my God. 
on Wednesday, January 6th, it gets announced that they're beyond the runoff point or the recount point. They won two Senate seats. The implications are huge because they won. And uh, they, for example, and Jerry, you and I chatted about this earlier today, is that, for example, just yesterday I saw the the, uh, District of Columbia mayor being interviewed. And one of the things she said is if these two senators can win and Democrats get control of the Senate, that she intends to take to the U.S. House and the U.S. Senate, and they will be friendly with a friendly U.S. president because she's a Democrat. The District of Columbia is overwhelmingly Democrat. And they are going to appeal to the House and the Senate and the president. And according to Article 4, Section 3 of the Constitution, those parties all have to be in on this. And they're going to ask, because they've already run a referendum in which the people want the District of Columbia to become a state. They will take that to the House and the Senate. It needs a simple majority in each. The president can sign it. And just like years ago, Alaska came in, Hawaii came in, D.C. could become a state. And right on the heels of that comes Puerto Rico. Now, so we've got the tools now to bring in two new states that deserve to be states. Yes. We're not just making this up. They have long wanted in Puerto Rico and they've run a referendum there. 98% said we want statehood, but the political implications are because they are largely Democratic areas, the Democrats pick up four more senators. Yes. And all of a sudden, the Democrats are in a super strong position on two fronts, both the presidency and for years forward, the Senate. So I am ecstatic about what happened last night. And Jerry, you were on and I were on the phone last night talking as the evening was progressing. It was classic, you know, political nerd time. Oh, it was great. And That's I got to tell people, <laughs> I got to say, you know, because I don't compliment you enough, Gene, for obvious Thank reasons. you. Thank you very <laughs> much. Yeah, <right. laughs> no, uh, is that you, you held my hand. You, yep. I was... I thought we're going down. I was so pessimistic. Well, when Ossoff was down by 120,000 votes, I said, (coughs) even though the votes still to come in were from the Atlanta area, I was still thinking to make up 120,000 votes, that's pretty tough to do. And he had to do about 85, 90% of the votes coming out there. And so, I, I mean, I thought Warnock was going to win, but I was very yeah. worried about um, or something. By gosh, Gene said, don't worry, it'll be OK. And you got me that warm milk, my Metamucil, <laughs> and I was fine. I was fine. By the I way. went to bed sucking my thumb and I yes. woke up in the morning and I was happy. You know, uh, I, I Aww, think Jerry. I'm one of those people, and I, there are a lot of people like me who think that Steve Kornacki on MSNBC mm-hmm. is, is masterful. He's super bright. He's a great okay. communicator. He's got a charming delivery. And he was giving out information all through the evening yeah. that for political junkies like me, election mm-hmm. night junkies, you know, like, where's the vote coming from? How does it compare? It was, it was all math. It was how does it compare yeah. with 
this go round, January 5th, compared to November's election, is the turnout uh, higher or lower on the Democrat side mm-hmm. than in November? And the same question for Republicans. And the short answer was the turnout was bumping up, including a thousand or was it, I heard a number, is it, was it a thousand or was it a hundred thousand? Probably a hundred thousand new voters, Stacey Abrams should get yes. the Medal of Freedom. Oh yeah. From Joe Biden, she is, the yes. first recipient, his first recipient for the Medal of Freedom. She is a political organizer. She's a field woman, oh, there Yale is. graduate, yeah. by the way. There's John holding up the picture. Yep. Well, for those who I'm are gonna, watching this on I'm Facebook. I'm going to tell my kids this is Captain yeah, America. Yeah. She, <laughs> she, is, she great. is amazing. And she uh, yep. got, uh, I believe it was a hundred, it was either, it was a hundred thousand, hundred thousand new yeah, registrations compared to November. In other words, she found 100,000 people that didn't vote in November that were, you know, legit voters, signed them up and turned them out. Yesterday, I spent the day, pretty much the day up until about 630. And this is also how these senators won. Gene Galvin sitting in Ludlow, Kentucky, was on the phone all day calling into Georgia, calling voters in Georgia. Oh, I didn't didn't did that. Yeah, and I didn't make it up. I just went online and said, I want to do something. And I found a website. I found a number of them. I uh, vetted it. Uh, I got in touch. I realized that they were using the same computer system. You had to do it on a laptop or a a desktop. Couldn't do it on a phone. I was fine. And it's the same system I used in November calling uh, all over the country for Democrats. And I'm on the phone and I talk to a guy. Here's an example. A guy answers the phone and I got a script in front of me. This is this is how how sophisticated we are. And Republicans are doing similar stuff. So I'm reading a script and over on the left side of my screen, I've got all this information on this voter more than they would want to know I had because it feels kind of, you know, creepy and breaking privacy. And I do the script and I say, hey, it's election day. You know that, don't you, John? Yeah. And I said, hey, I'm a volunteer for the Georgia Democratic Party and making last minute calls. Every vote counts. And uh, I do the pitch. And then there's a pause and he's not answering. And he's going to hang up on me like, dude, I don't want you calling me. I don't know you. And then he says to me, do you know where I vote? And I thought, oh, that's a trick question. I do know where, I know exactly where he votes. I know the address of it. But when I tell him that, he's going to get pissed off. Like, I don't know this shit about me. So I took the chance and I said, I do. And he said, would you please tell me? I said, yeah. And I named the senior citizen center. And I said, you want the address? And he said, yeah, let me write it down. I gave him the address. Yeah. And he said, thanks. I'm going to go vote after work. Obviously, Megan and Jerry, he wasn't going to vote. Yeah. You know where the hell to go vote. Good. So these you. calls yeah. that I'm making and people like me, and I did a 40 minute Zoom training from Silicon mm-hmm. Valley. I was I was from Kentucky. Everybody else was from Cali. And I could see all their faces, like 20 people, and they're asking questions. That's how these folks won Stacey Abrams yeah. work, the work of the Georgia Democratic Party, the volunteers. I'm not why much- about time. I looked in here, but it was going to be 75 cents a minute on the call. <laughs> so, so you I, decided not to do it. Well, then I. From your rotary. Yeah, I from your rotary. So if I called five people, 
<laughs> you know, it was, uh, you know, it, I, I could have spent close to $10 if I would have done that. So. Hey, you know how brilliant it is? <clears throat> the way the system works, and I'm now begging our listeners, next go round, do this. Please do this. It's such important work. I've run field operations and political campaigns yeah. forever in my other life. So I know how to do this. And, and it's, but it's now mechanized and it's so technologically advanced. It's so easy. I could log out, <clears throat> go out and have lunch in the other room. I could sit back down, hit log in, click my, you know, uh, memorized password on my computer and boom, I was back in and there was a voter name in front of me. I click call. I'm just on a computer and all of a sudden the phone is ringing Yeah, and I've got just using my mouse. I'm clicking around, you know, what happened? No, no answer. Or I talked to the voter, et cetera. It is amazing. And it was done from the comfort of my home. Wow. This is how you win these elections. Yeah. So when Ossoff and Warnock won, they won not because of who know you know they were in the right place at the right time that's bullshit they won from hard political yep. work hand-to-hand combat is what we call it in politics yep. yep field work not nuclear weapons of buying expensive tv ads it's like hand-to-hand combat it's in the trenches that's, that's how great, you Jane. win and well god bless these two senators that they change yes. everything for us they did they there did you. We now, the Democrats now get the committee chairmanships. They now get yep. the majority leader. And we've seen with McConnell being majority leader, that person gets to decide what legislation gets even voted on. Literally, McConnell yep. was the second most powerful politician in America. There's no question. He could stop honest, anything. Like, and do you understand? Getting him out of this is like my favorite thing of all of it, honestly. Yeah. I am so sick of stinking Mitch McConnell. I know, and you and I both live in Kentucky too, so he is he is our senator. Yeah. But you know, uh, I'm telling you, that's why I wanted to bring up this thing about these two uh, entities, the uh, District of Columbia and the territory of Puerto Rico. If they come into the union, and I'm all for it, I don't know why you wouldn't want to have them anyway. Why wouldn't you? It may, no. It's not just for politics. Bring them in. Well, of course. And, but Republicans aren't going to want it because they're going to lose doesn't four, matter. four That's senators. That's the yeah. point. Well, Winning exactly. The Senate, oh, I understand why matter. we want it. And <laughs> yeah, it's the right. right thing to do. Oh, they won't want Clearly, it. Clearly, it's more just, but they're not going to want it because Republicans in the next 70 years will never win the popular vote in a presidential election. The country is changed. Right. They will never again win a popular vote. So their only chance of ever winning is that they have the electoral college advantage. They have the advantage because all these rural states that don't have many people in it, they still each get two senators. And like we've yeah. talked about on other podcasts, Gene, the um, yeah. 50% of the Senate is only... 19% of the population. Wow. That's right. 19% of the American population gets to vote for half of the Senate. So that 19% can control what the other 81% and they have to go along yeah. with it because most people live in just a few states, but all the middle of the country, 
Nebraska, Kansas, I mean, just all the way through, Montana, Wyoming, yeah, Iowa, yeah. South Dakota, Utah. North Dakota, Alaska, tiny little population. They place. each, That's right. yeah, they get two senators and California, which has 50 times the population. Correct. Gets only two. So well, it's unfair. Okay, Jerry. So Republicans can get the presidency, but they can't ever win the popular vote. Now, here's the other shoe that could drop. And Republicans wisely in the presidential campaign kept pounding Biden on, are you going to stack the Supreme Court? Currently has nine mm-hmm. members. But as we're all learning, that's an arbitrary number. It's the head out of the numbers. And how does it become bigger or smaller? Very simply, House and Senate vote simple majority. So now with uh, us I controlling- think, I think for the Supreme Court, they still have the filibuster. It's the one thing that still has the filibuster. Oh, Harry Reid okay. got rid of the filibuster for all other legislation, or virtually all other, but specifically for the Supreme Court. For example, for regular federal judges, it's just a majority vote. But for the Supreme Court, I know you need the 60. I, I, I'm good. We need the, uh, not now on the spot, I, but we'll look that up. I, because I understood that it was simple majority. And by the way, if it's not simple majority, then my point is uh, not doesn't work. But the reason they kept saying, hey, you let these guys win the Senate, they're going to take this, they're going to stack the Supreme Court. I think it's simple majority, but we can easily look that yeah, up. We'll clean that up. I could be wrong. I, I thought that was the exception. So but we'll it, see. Let, let's, ass, let's assume it's simple majority because they kept pressing Biden. In all of the debates, Trump kept saying, you're oh, going to sure. stack the Supreme Court. Why don't you just admit it? He got him to say this. And I thought when he gave this answer, it was a good answer. He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I will form a group, bipartisan group. They will form? gather information. And then I'm going to I'm going to look at that. So he basically gave a non-answer. Well, I believe that will happen. And I believe that there is a clear possibility that the Democrats could add members to the Supreme Court. And by the way, if they did, that to me is proper payback for this crap that Republicans pulled where they changed the rules from when Obama and and, uh, Garland, what is his name? He's going to be the Attorney General. Attorney General. Isn't that poetic justice? That is poetic justice. Poetic justice. (laughs) And his first case, is going to be prosecuting Donald Trump. Yeah, uh, yeah, very, Donald very Trump. Awesome. How great is that? <laughs> but the point is, that's another shoe that could drop, basically. Yeah. That's why I was so excited that we got the Senate. It, it, it was just so big. So here we are, and, and we'll wind this down, and Megan ask you to get a good conversation going with John Clay, our musical guest. But we have such an odd, historic day, don't we? Where you have this, for yeah. us Democrats anyway, glowing news about out of Georgia put up right next to this, this mess that we have, this unprecedented insurgent storming of our sacred capital. It's to been think a bizarre that this day. Is, to think that this is only the sixth day of the year and it's already yeah, no. making 2020 look boring. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh. Anyway. We thought it was over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, here we go. We really did. <laughs> All right. So with us tonight, like Gene said at the top of the show, we have John Clay. Welcome, hey, John. Hello, everyone. Lovely to, lovely to see you. John, you've been with us before. 
but it was um, with another group. Tell us a little bit about that. And are you on your own now, or are you just kind of do? Well, both? I'm a, I, I pop around for the for the last decade or so. I've played with a quite a quite a lot of people around the general region, from Louisville to Indiana to Ohio, uh, East Kentucky, Central Kentucky. Just just making a living, you know, doing something that I love yeah. to do and finding a way to do it. That's basically it. And you are from Pikeville, Yeah, from Kentucky. Pikeville. I, I left, um, you know, uh, right right when I turned 18, I left. Just, just well, as my fr- my, I have a girlfriend from Pikeville, and she said it's Potville. Potville. So. Potville. I can, I can do the rest of the interview in my Pikeville voice if you'd like. And <laughs> she said that's where you actually say it's down uh, there by the holler. Uh, it's Potville. Yeah, I, I moved to... Uh, about 2000, I moved to Lexington, went to school for a few years. <laughs> you know, I got a little bit, of, a little awesome. bit of education, and then, uh, and then I figured I'd get get out of the bigger city at Louisville and see if, uh, see if I can make me some money up there playing music. I love it. No, that and that's basically so it. I just, tonight. I just moved uh, to Lexington for a few years, moved to Louisville yeah. for a few years, and and found my way. Yep. Cool. Very cool. All right. So you had a song for us this evening. Ooh, Ooh love, love, yes. Huh? Um, Is that O-H or E-U? <laughs> o- O-O-O-H, I believe. Ooh. Okay. I thought it was E. Ooh, love. <laughs> nothing else like it. Nothing else okay. like it I've found. <laughs> All right. Well, this is John Clay with Ooh, love. <laughs> Surely I show it 
lovely really really pretty (laughs) all right so um i think we'll probably try to get you back again because that was just a lot of fun and i can't wait to hear you talk more pothole yeah i can't wait i can't wait to tell you more about it could you tell me exactly how to get there Six, just take a ride by the hall. Yeah, there, uh, six, 64 east down the mountain parkway, just uh, all the way carried on down to 23 on down there. Uh, yeah. Just head out towards West Virginia, man. You'll get right there. Okay. <laughs> See you soon. All right. Thank y'all. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. Again, that was John Clay. John, where can we find your music? Uh, you have a specific website or are you on Spotify? Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I go by just because there are five yeah. six artists out there that 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 uh perform under john clay as well as an nfl running back as well as the sports writer at yeah. kentucky, uh, for kentucky sports there's a lot of john clays uh i i just put kentucky john clay on all my stuff so it, that's that's how you get there if you just search that uh everything will pop up Bandcamp, spotify facebook instagram Super. Well, we look forward to talking to you again. Check him out, John Clay or Kentucky John Clay. And we're actually going to have Casey Campbell take us out tonight on Down by the Riverside. Well, I'm going to lay down my heavy load Down by the riverside 
listening to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song, and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. I'm gonna lay down my sword and shield. 